I'll be taking a message from the first two chapters of Second Timothy. If you want to turn there, it might be helpful for you. I'm not going to read all of that passage, but I want to focus on a few things uh, from that passage to share with you this morning. I greet you in the name of Christ. It's good to have visitors here. It's a blessing to see you and our home folks as, as well. The focus of the message this morning is to be an honorable vessel. And um, I want to focus especially beginning at verse beginning verse 16 of chapter 1 chapter 2 rather. And I know it's breaking in the thought here into a thought here possibly but I, I think it ties together I'd like to read to the end of the chapter then as kind of a springboard for sharing this message this morning the burden of my heart is that 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 we are honorable uh, vessels and that's the term that is used here vessels unto honor and it focuses on a container and it it uh, Is that better? Okay. All right. Sorry about that. All right. So it focuses on being an honorable vessel. A vessel is a container. It's something that is useful. Uh, there are numerous vessels that we use daily. There are some things that uh, maybe we put on the shelf to look at. And that was from my great-grandfather or mother and uh, was handed down to me and so I have that there to have that to look at and I, just at first glance here it almost seems that's that's what he's saying here let's read this and then um, I'd like to uh, begin here then all right verse 16 shun profane Shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word, and now he's describing, he's describing these people. He said, their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor, some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepare it unto every good work. Flee also, and it seems to almost change his tone here, and 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 the focus. But I want you to. We'll look at this a little later. But I want you to follow with me as I read here. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strife. 
And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. My understanding of this section is that in verses 16 through um, through 18, he's describing those that are in the church and they are teaching falsehoods and uh, living that way. And to me, then this section of the different vessels, like the gold and the silver, or the wood and clay, or wood and earth it says here, but wood and clay, He's making that contrast between those two. And I think he is, I think he is saying that those that are subverting the truth are not displaying themselves as, verse 15, as workmen that are displaying truth. He's making that contrast and he's saying, now those are the wood and the clay, they are subverting truth that is taught to be taught in the church. And then he is saying that rather that they should be like gold and silver, which is durable, of course. But he also mentions several other things, and there are about five things that I want to then just briefly uh, introduce to you. Well, maybe not introduce. You've read this often already. But he's saying things that the the qualities or characters of those that are of gold and silver, they are like the precious ones that are, are precious in God's sight. And God uses as messengers, as vessels that He fills for them to be useful in the edifying of the church and the growth of the church. And then in verse um, 22, to the end, he is again going back to what happens to those that are subverting people, that are destroying the faith of others. And so my burden this morning is that as a church, and as me being a part of the church, as you being a part of the church, whether it's here or elsewhere, that you would be a vessel that is of silver or gold, that is precious, that God holds in high esteem, and that God is finding them useful. And you are to be useful in the church where God has called you, in whatever setting that may be. And so, we put ourselves into the work of the church. We, we give ourselves... And so maybe you're, maybe you're looking at this and say, well, gold is glittery, silver is glittery, and it almost like it's, it's the idea of, it's the idea of something that is on display and it's just splashy. That's not the point here. The point here, that the vessels that are useful in God's kingdom are precious. That's the focus. Okay, so I want you to remember that. That you are a vessel that God has placed in the church somewhere 
for you to be useful. That, you know, gold and silver endure. Not only is it bright and shining, but it endures. And it draws the attention of people. And that's how God expects us to be. Now, the, the way He describes it, the way He describes it in verse, like the vessels that are gold or silver, He describes the, the, the character of the vessel that is, is precious in God's sight. And that there are five words that he uses here. And I want you to catch those. First thing he says, it's like a, a vessel that is purged. Now we usually think of purging something is to get rid, to get rid of, of maybe it's an impurity in it. We want to get rid of it. But the word purged here has more the idea that it is separated and set apart for some special use. You get that? That's you. That's you. God has placed you in the church as something special to be useful. Separated from the world. Okay? Separated from the wood and the clay. Okay? And then he also said it's an honorable. Well, the calling that God has for you in the work of the church as a vessel that is useful, that is a high calling. It's not that we are looking for honorable positions, but when we give ourselves to God as someone that He can use in His church, that is an honorable position. It's because God lifts you out of what you have been, gives you a position that is looked at as an honorable and it's and it's responsible position as well. Sanctified, that means it is holy. It is set apart. You are set apart in the church for a special, as a special people that God looks at and He says, these are mine. I think sometimes we lose sight of that as God's people. Oh yes, I'm a part of the church. I enjoy being a part of the church. But do you recognize that when God sanctifies us, He sets us apart for a special work? God looks at you that way. That's who He, that's who you are. And prepared. That's the fifth one. That's prepared for, pardon me, the fourth one. It's prepared. God gives you Everything that you need to fulfill His work, not my work, but His work, He gives you everything that you need. God is good. And actually, He gives us more than is adequate. I wonder if we as God's people plumb the depths of what God has given to us that He expects us to be diligent with, to bless the church. 
prepared. And then the last one is meat. We use that word differently. But here it means that a special, a special, let's see, suited especially for responsibilities and work that God gives to us. Which would rather be gold or silver or wood and clay? God's calling is high. Look, just remember the contrast. And I know that there's a variation of understanding of what that is between those two different groups, but that's how I understand that. How then there are there are seven things that I find in the passage begin this passage beginning in the first chapter. There are seven things that I notice here that Paul spells out for his people how then they are to fulfill that responsibility, whether you're gold or silver, but God has called you. God has called you to fulfill that responsibility to be a blessing in the church. Now, backing up just a bit, this letter was written to young man Timothy who was called to be a leader of the church, possibly 30 to 40 years of age, uh, called to be a leader of the church, and he felt his inadequacy. And in and um, Paul had been with him and had instructed him, had supported him, had encouraged him uh, earlier, but now Paul needed to leave. And Timothy felt that strongly. And after he left, it's very likely that then Paul wrote this second letter to him to encourage him. Now, can you understand? Can you understand the meaning, the depth behind the words here that he used? These five things. And now he specifically said, I want you to take up this responsibility in a practical way. You say, well, I'm not a church leader. You're a part of the church, okay? So I'm going to make that application today. God has called you. You are a part of the church, so take up that responsibility and do it faithfully. In verse 6 of chapter 1, here he, here is what he says, Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. To stir up. In other words, it's it's something. the The impression of this phrase is to stir up. is is the idea of something that is getting static. It's not being um, it's not being uh, used as much as it should be. It may be discouragement, maybe different kinds of things. But here he wants he wants. Timothy to be stirred up. In other words, he is to like stir the fire, and not only stir the fire, but then to fan the flames. The intensity of that word is stirring up. Is it's 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 actually almost agitating. And so, what God wants to do for us, to do to us, 
is to keep using that gift. The more you use what God has given you for the blessing of the church, the more it's like, it's like fanning that flame. And it's, it, it, it ends up being a tremendous blessing to the rest of the church. So, it's like th- this word stir also has a connotation of like jolting. It's like an electrical shock. Sometimes we need that. Don't tell yourself. Don't tell yourself. There's not much that I can do. I'm not, mu- I'm not of much value to the church. What you can do, stir up that gift. And that means keep using it. The church needs you. So don't ever shirk. Okay? Stir it up. Use what God has given to you. There's two things that happen to unused gifts. One thing is, they wear out. Okay? And the second thing is, it can be given to someone else. Okay? Parable of the talents. Alright. The second thing is in verse 7. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I'd like for us to say that verse together. Can we do that? All right, together. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Oh my, that was weak. Okay, try it again. But, oh, pardon me, let's start together. For God... Alright, God gives us what we need. Um, don't let fear get in the way. What does fear do to you? Fear paralyzes. Fear makes you back away from. Fear makes you hesitant. And it just, fear will destroy your effectiveness every time. And I know, the opposite is not being brash. And being a bulldozer. No. No. Fear is something that will sap your strength. God expects you to be strong, to use what He has given you through the blessing of the church. So stir up the gift and don't let these things hinder you. Shame sometimes. Well... Shame wants to hide. And then shame... Pardon me. Getting ahead of myself here. Don't let things hinder you. Fear destroys confidence. Fear saps your strength. And fear brings paralysis. Eventually. Alright, now number three. Verse eight. Be thou therefore... Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Don't be ashamed. Never shrink back from the message that God has given you. Okay? God has given you a message. If you're one of His children, you have a message. Give that message. Don't be ashamed. Shame wants to hide. 
Shame hinders identity with Christ. You know, I remember as a youth being with young people, and this is before we actually moved to Wisconsin. I was with youth already. And uh, I remember, I remember there were times that, that I was, depending on the group of fellows that I was with, I did not want to be identified with them. I would hope that people, not too many people would see me with them because, you know, maybe they were a little bit of the poorer set or something like that. And my parents were not rich. I don't know why I felt that way, but anyway. So I, there was a little bit of shame there. Others, oh yes, mm-hmm, I wanted to be identified with them. And you know, sometimes, sometimes it's easy to shrink away from identifying with the people of God. Okay? We want to back away from that. Be not thou therefore ashamed. Don't be ashamed and shrink away from your identity in Christ. Number four, verses 12 to 14, still in chapter 1. Verse 11, Paul is saying, I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Suffering, and he, he suffered physical dangers and distress. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Ashamed has the... No, that's not what I was looking for. Hmm. Oh, yes. Okay. These... I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed for I know whom I have believed. Catch the assurity. I know whom I have believed. And then further he says, I am what? I'm persuaded. He adds one word to the next one. I'm persuaded. That was a foundation that he had. I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And then verse 13, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. So, you need to be persuaded. Always hold to what is true. A servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is a vessel for His use, always, if He's going to be a proper vessel, a useful vessel, persuaded he knows what he believes. And if you know what you believe, you will teach that. You will live that. It's evident. I know. I am persuaded. I am convinced. I, he is able. And so you hang on to that promise as your personal possession. Not of you, but because of what God has given to you. All right, chapter 2, verse 1. 
says, Thou therefore my son. There was an intimate relationship between Paul and Timothy. And he felt that strongly. And he wanted Timothy to continue to understand that. And that would help him, give him stability. Thou therefore my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be courageous. You know, as a proper vessel that God can use, we must be courageous. Never back away from the truth. Always speak truth, live truth. Be courageous. This is your life. This is your calling in life. As a part of the church of Jesus Christ, overcome those fears that you may have struggled with. I just see throughout this whole passage, I just see time after time, Paul is encouraging Timothy. He says, don't let go. Be courageous. You have a special calling. God wants to use you. God has a work for you. Be courageous. Don't shrink away and back away from that responsibility. Don't be ashamed of it as well. All right, verses 3 and 4. Thou therefore, and that's on top of being courageous, be strong. He says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. What are some of the qualities of a good soldier? I want you to just come up with some things. What are some of the qualities of a good soldier? Okay, obeys orders. Yes, absolutely. Courage, courageous. All right, focus. He has a work to do. Focus is on that. Good. What else? Training. All right. Willing to be trained and under, you know, follow directions. What else? You're thinking of things that I hadn't considered. Avoid distractions. Avoid distractions. Yes, that is so important. It mentions that here. Avoiding distractions. Anything else that comes to mind? What makes a good soldier? Teamwork. 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 Yes. Did someone else start? Integrity. Okay, integrity. Zeal, okay. Out to defend, right? Okay, so Paul says, as a part of the church, you are to be like a strong soldier. And all these qualities are we are responsible to convey. And to, that's a part of us. And so, well, distractions sometimes causes us to lose our focus. Good soldier will not be distracted. Sometimes there are other things. Well, sometimes we're guilty of double vision. You know, a good soldier is concerned and he's focused on his work. And that's his life. That's what he's doing. I'm a soldier. I even forget about my family at home. I, I, I am focused. I'm, I'm doing this. No, 
double vision. A good soldier will not cut corners. Try to get by with things. A good soldier throws himself into his work. That's his life. Much more so as a vessel in God's kingdom, we are to be the best that we can be. All right, and number seven is in verse 15. In that familiar verse. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And now he makes this very practical. As a good, as a vessel that is gold or silver. And so now in my responsibility as a part of the church, there must be several things that happen. Number one is, if I am going to be If I take my responsibilities seriously, that's the idea of study, is to seriously focus. It's focus. Todd, I remember, I remember telling his children, said, focus. You remember that at all? No, you don't. Well, you might yet. But anyway, he would say, I want you to focus. It was your older brothers because they were harder to train, right? Is that what it was? Anyway. Okay, he would say, focus, focus, focus on what you're doing. Keep your mind on what you're doing. Study. That's the idea. So we focus on our work, our responsibilities. We take it seriously. We work as unto the Lord, because that is who has called us. And so we work, as we work as unto the Lord, That means we'll never get lazy. We look for His approval. And we need to be careful that we do not disgrace ourselves as a part of God's workmen. Work with integrity, with a will, no regrets. Doing our best, never shirking. We understand. We understand and we live and we speak truth. That's a good workman. All right, the last part of this chapter then that we read. The emphasis on the last part is keep yourself. Keep yourself holy. And in verse 22, he said you must flee. In order to be this workman that God expects you to be and has called you to be as a part of the church, we are to Flee the things. We are to reject the things. Run away from the things that would hinder us in our responsibility. He says, flee youthful lusts. Immorality. Giving in to fleshly desires will destroy your vessel. Not only mar your vessel, it will destroy it eventually. It will ruin your usefulness. Be careful. Be alert. Flee. And then he says, you are to follow. You're to follow right living. You're to be trustworthy. You're to love others 
fully. You are to be peace-loving. You are to be gentle with others. Simply means don't start fights. Fights in church? Happens sometimes. And don't you ever be guilty of starting them. If they start, you end them. Okay? All right. All right, then the last thing, the third thing that he mentions here at the end of the chapter is we are to instruct others by example and teaching. So as we work together in the church, as God has called us to, I fulfill my responsibility, you fulfill your responsibility as either gold or silver vessels that are useful. Then, as we, as we help each other, in those weak spots, we support each other and encourage each other to, inst- we are to instruct by example and teaching. Sometimes it means repentance. And to help others in repentance ourselves and to help others that may be tripped up and ensnared. That's what he's saying here in the last verse. In conclusion, then, there are five things I'd like for you to consider. To be an honorable vessel means to understand that when God makes vessels, He uses the best material. God uses quality material. Gold, or silver, not something that is devalued, that that loses its value in the eyes of people like wood and 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 clay, that kind of thing. Okay, but it's gold or silver. God uses the best material. I want that to be understand understood correctly. That we do not lift ourselves up. But it's because of what God has made of us and in us. The second thing is, if there are flaws in God shaping us into His image and making us a usable vessel, He sees those flaws and He removes them. God works to perfect us so that we can be useful in His work. And number three is that God makes vessels that reflect the Maker. That's what He is after. He wants us to be like Him. It's His work. It reflects His work, His pattern. God puts His signature on His people. They're mine. He says, they're mine. Number four, workable vessels are the kind that is willing to be shaped without resistance. To be molded and shaped. God does that. Sometimes it hurts, but God still does that. Honorable vessels will not lose their usefulness They are more than ornaments to be put on a shelf to be admired. Vessels of gold and silver are useful vessels. That's what God focuses on and wants us to become and to continue to be that we can be effective 
in his kingdom. Would you kneel to pray, please? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can entrust our lives completely and totally into your hands. Father, you continue to work in us and through us and with us to shape us into the vessel that is the most useful in your kingdom. Help us, Lord, to be willing to accept that, to entrust our lives fully and completely into your hand. Bless our young people. And Father, as you continue to work in their lives, to shape them, to mold them, to be beautiful vessels that are a blessing to others around them, I pray that they would be pliable, workable in your hands. Bless the young parents that are here today, and I pray in a special way you would give them the wisdom that they need, and as you continue to shape them and use them, bless our ministry. Bless each of us in our responsibilities that we would be workable and usable to effect the work of the kingdom in a way that brings glory to our Maker. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Receive it.